Us is back for another week. We've stopped counting, but Alabama keeps winning. And Words. If I had told you that Alabama was going to have 14 penalties, two turnovers on the road mm-hmm. against a conference opponent, mm-hmm. was that a game that Alabama should have lost? Or was that Alabama that we see trending upward? Um... Or a little first bit of, of everything all, all rolled first into of all, one. I said, oh, we had the crew that worked our game at Tennessee last year. Okay. And I don't know if it was or it not. It felt like it. Similarities. I will say this. Bama, Bama committed a good many penalties, most of them procedure penalties uh-huh. in that game. They did enough things to probably get beat. I think it's a really good indicator of how good they can be, mm-hmm. that they still won against a team that was playing pretty well. Um, I can also make the case that there were a couple of garbage penalties that, well, there's just one that really stands out. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. But there's one that if it's not made, that game is not as dramatic towards the end as it was. Look, this team has its warts. There's no doubt. They've got flaws. But if they can find a good dermatologist to get that removed, they're going to be... They're going to be absolutely gorgeous. Uh, there's talent. We, we're seeing, I think, Jalen Milrow develop mm-hmm. and get better week after week. Mm-hmm. But there are things that have got to get cleaned up. It may not be this week. It may not be the next week that it has to happen. could be. But if they get them cleaned up, they're going to be pretty dangerous. And obviously you want to be playing your best football at the end of the year. They dodged a big hurdle, though. I I had said that I thought they were playing the second-best team that they've faced to this point and maybe will before they get to potentially the SEC championship game. They didn't play very well in some spots and still won. There are other areas. They were terrific. So I know we're going to get into all that. But now that I've given you a long answer, the short answer I'll go back to yeah, I would have probably said they lose mm-hmm. if if you say 14 penalties and two turnovers. And Coach Saban even <laughs> chuckled as he started his post game on Saturday, saying, "Do you want to start with the good or the bad?" Yeah. And growing up, my parents it was a it was a nursery rhyme, I guess. They're like little girl with the curl because when she's good, she's very very good, and when she's bad, she's hard. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that aptly describes the game because Jalen Milrow had a career game right. in terms of passing. Uh, Jermaine Burton had a career game in terms of receiving you know, Isaiah Bond. But it was so inconsistent because then right. we rushed for, what, negative one yard? It, was, it was bad. I think they wound up with 23. I think they wound up netting 23 yards, okay. figuring in sacks and some of the, the yards lost. Regardless, it's it's not a lot. Who in that? I'll add one more to your what-if-I-told-you yeah. scenario. Jalen Milrow is going to have to account for 90-plus percent of your offense. Right. So probably would not have felt uh, as good about that, but he did a fantastic job. He had the one pass that was a little bit late as it was delivered, resulted in the pick. Otherwise, he was really, really good. I mean, we saw his ability to throw the long pads. We saw his ability to throw underneath. As you said, it's been there. We've mainly seen him scrambling. Right. To be able to to keep the offense 
moving forward, but we saw obviously the running game was not there. They were not going to give yeah. them the running game. Right, and that's again, I think, attributable in large measure to A and M. Also, the fact the offensive line had its struggles against what A and M was doing in the run game, but they gave Jalen time to throw. Now, mm-hmm. that was to me, it was a very surprising game in that. I thought Bama could run it a little more effectively, but I didn't think that he would have the time to throw it mm-hmm. that he did. But thankfully, they did pass protect pretty well. Not all day, but in enough situations, and Bama would make A&M pay. They had a great matchup for Jermaine Burt. The corner couldn't guard him, couldn't stay with him by and large. Uh, but you're right, he was not alone. There were other guys that, that got opportunities, did a good job. Fun to see them succeed like that. It was loud. It yeah. was really loud. Without cowbells, it was really, really loud. And that created some problems. Well, and along those lines, uh, Tyler Booker <coughs> earlier this week said that um, this was the first time that they had had to use the sound snap count. And yeah. obviously that's something that comes it, it, with experience mm-hmm. and with time. That is something that will be a lot easier. But you have to, that accounts for a lot of the pre-snap sure. penalties. It does. And I heard... Uh, Ryan, Lance, and Jim talking about it on the next round. There were there were a couple of those calls that were very questionable, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of issues with trying to get, you know, you go silent, but then there's different signaling that takes place, and that can get confusing. It's not easy. That's part of why they encourage the crowd to be as loud as they they are, mm-hmm. and that's why they they do feel like, understandably so truly the 12th man, which is their mantra. But that was, um, it was a great environment. It made it very tough. There were certain parts of it Bama didn't handle well, but others they did. And when when they did get the snap off in time Mm -hmm. and through it, they were really effective with it. And the offensive line, we'll we'll only talk about them for a few more minutes, but they did allow seven sacks. Mm -hmm. Milrow was, was was on his butt a couple times. And at halftime, a lot of Tide fans had to go for a walk yeah. because they, I mean, at least the ones at my house felt right. they needed to get some air and go out. Again, the second half, making the adjustments, they were able to figure out how to just go out and finish this. And, and, and one of the things I would say is teams have to learn how to close. They yeah. have to learn how to win. And Alabama is truly getting better at that. They are. We saw week. it. Yeah. We saw it, um, I think, each of the last three weeks. And you can even go back to the South Florida game. That really helped turn things with the way they finished that game. I think it helped their confidence going forward, even though they've, you know, what, they were down to Ole Miss at the half, 7-6, something Mm -hmm. like that, and then came back and played so well in the second, um, solid against Mississippi State when they ended the first half in a big way, and then obviously what transpired with the second half uh, performance in College Station. I think they're growing up. I think they're learning. There are things that obviously have to be fixed because there's still three, four teams that can, in the regular season, can get them. And I'm not going to say Arkansas can't. Arkansas's played competitively. They just haven't finished. They haven't been able to get it done. Um, but Alabama goes and lays an egg against the Razorbacks. That that's going to be a long day, and it's going to be a weird day anyway. I mean, 
got an 11 o'clock kick. Yeah. Not the, the worst thing in the world. But for the fans, everybody, I mean, okay, here's another gripe. They got homecoming. So parade starts at 7 a.m. People that are involved in the parade have to line up at 445. It's like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day. Oh, I mean, 445 line up to get ready for the parade. You may as well just They can't just lean on the network a little bit heavier <clears throat> to be like, listen, we got homecoming. Look, I know you you were in television a long time. The uh, We know it works. It, he who writes the check rules uh, the world. Exactly. He yeah. or she, I'll be fair, mm-hmm. who writes the check rules the world. And TV's writing the checks. Yep. But they don't use any common sense on stuff. There ought to be there ought to be a window that the league puts in. And go, all right. This has been designated homecoming. Yeah. It can't start before two. You can put them at eight o'clock at night if that's what you yeah. want to do. But they're not going to be eleven a.m. Yeah. That sucks. Do you think we haven't seen it had happen yet? <clears throat> do you think the offense can be trusted to win a game? I thought they won it. Well. Look, I thought the offense did its part Saturday. Okay. I do. Um, defense was really good. And with the block kick being called back, the offense, you know, again, they regressed on that particular drive. But the offense did some big things at big times. You know, they were down twice in that game. They're down 3 nothing, maybe three times. They're down 3 nothing. They take a 10-3 lead. Then they're down 17-10. to And then they came back and took the lead, didn't give it up. Mm-hmm. So they're down twice, three times in that game. Managed to get it done. Defense is, we know, the strength of this team. It's clear. But the offense has the explosiveness to be very dangerous, and I think as they get it figured out, the guys got to—they got to be more disciplined in some areas. The, the penalties are one of them. Uh, we talk about the offensive line, and look, we don't win the game without Jermaine Burton, mm-hmm. but he still chirps a little bit and gets himself in some trouble and potentially worse. You know, he had a penalty uh, for taunting. I don't think he was the only one involved on that particular play. Somebody for A and M, I think, was also, but. You know, there's a there's a there's too much energy being wasted on the dramatic stuff, and I'm I'm being the old guy, get off my lawn on yeah. that. But it's it's as coach talks about, it's one thing to celebrate with your team; it's another thing to bring attention to yourself. And when you are getting involved in something verbally with the other side, mm-hmm. it's the same as drawing attention to yourself, yeah. and it's it, it can hurt you in a big way. And thankfully it hasn't yet, but it's been real close. The defense limited the Aggies to a season low of 67 yards rushing, 14 complete yeah. passes. And really I think one of the big things that you have to give credit to the defense is after Malachi's injury, the adjustments yeah. that they made, it was seamless. And not to say that we didn't miss Malachi. Right. Because anytime he's on the field, obviously the defense is better. But they were able to overcome that. And play as steady as they ever did. Well, Terry and Arnold has to go from one, from the corner to the star, I think, is the way that worked, taking Malachi's spot. Trey Amos now becomes the corner, taking Terry's spot. So when you've got moving pieces, that can cause some problems. 
and if you you've got question marks, somebody can make you pay. Um, thankfully, it didn't yeah. in a big way, especially in the second half. They were really good, adjusted well. To be who they can be, you got to have him back. Yeah. Um, but they did a really nice job, and if if you're already, if you're going to plan to get into this later. No. Well, bring it. Come on. Oh wait, no. Oh. Uh, James oh. Burnham. Yeah. You know, I don't know the status as you and I are talking today uh, of what his status is going to be this week. A hamstring issue, wasn't it, with him? I I never heard officially hamstring. Okay. I said that on the air yeah. because that's what it looked like right. in terms of how he was coming off the field. He was healthy enough; he could still hold right. on placements, but he's become one of the most dangerous punters in the country, yeah, without question. not just the length of the punts, but placement on shorter yeah. field situations. I'm going to give him Australia as well. Uh, he I is think he just I think he's just as dangerous. There? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. So we're going to say both hemispheres. Yeah. He, yeah, I guess that's right, I don't know. I was a C I student in mass communication in an NAIA school. That sounds good. He is a vital part of that team, mm-hmm. just like Will Riker. Right. And obviously Will showed his versatility is stepping in and and you didn't lose you lose a little bit distance wise but he was more than serviceable absolutely in that punting role where every possession and every kick mattered so but getting Burnett back is going to be huge uh, going forward and getting him back at full speed so we'll see how that plays out I mean, Caleb Downs, the interception as coach said it changed the momentum of yeah. the game because I think most of us when we were watching we saw we saw um, Jalen get picked. Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking. Is God, this it was there. Tyler called oh. it on the broadcast. Tyler, Tyler called the play, had the setup. The throw was just a little late. And then just right back, Downs gets it. You're like, we're right back in this game. Yeah. It truly did change the momentum of the yeah. game. Yeah. And he, like, he got burned a couple of times early in the year. Uh, he looked like a freshman. Yeah. Made a couple of freshman mistakes. But now he truly looks like a freshman All-American and is playing at a high level, fun to, to see him grow and develop. And he's why that secondary is as tough as it is. And I say that not like he's the only one, but he was the, maybe the weak link because of the lack of experience. Mm-hmm. His ability to step up and, and learn and be as good as he is has made sure that there are no real weak links where that's concerned. So throwing the ball is going to be tough on Alabama the rest of the way. The other, I think, in terms of momentum and just the excitement <clears throat> was, was Braswell's on the block. <laughs> yeah. First he gets that big old paw up there. Yeah. And then he gets it. Bounces it to himself <clears throat> accidentally. Was that was that a horse poop call? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. it Because, um, again, it strips him of a touchdown. That, that I mean, there you go. Well, it was... It's behind the play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a vicious hit. No, it was a, bl- a blindside. Blindside, yeah. but it was he shielded the guy. And I'll go back to something else that next round guy said, um, and it was Ryan, who I, I do agree with. Of course, it's easy for me to say that I agree because it would have benefited Alabama. He goes, yeah, it's behind the play, but it's only about 10 to 15 yards behind the play. And it's a guy carrying the football that's not used to carrying the football. Exactly, yeah. If he drops it, the guy that's chasing is has got a chance to be involved in the play. 
He got his head in front, mm-hmm. so it wasn't a clip. It wasn't a vicious hit no. at all. Mm-mm. He bumped him, and he's even peeling back. But he did. Incidental uh, almost. It was. I thought it was a good play because he did he did those two things that aren't easy to do. Get your head in front and also uh, don't do anything excessive. The guy fell, but he, he you know he he just stumbled almost. Right. It wasn't like he got clocked. We've seen Dallas Turner hit. He can hit. Oh yeah. I think the official saw something out of the corner of his eye, and called as I've heard officials say, "Commit the cardinal sin." Called what he thought he saw rather than what he did see. Now, you can certainly make the argument. Just don't give him an opportunity mm-hmm. to make a call in that situation. But that could have been the deciding play of the game. Bama's up two scores at that point. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much done. Instead, still life. Bama goes backwards on offense. Uh, bad snap on that punt, or they they decide to rush. You know that changes yeah. completely. But thankfully, it didn't. Bama found a way to escape. And you mentioned, we're talking about Will Reichard coming in, obviously. It almost seemed seamless when he came yeah. in and punted um, on Saturday. He has yet to miss this year. One point shy of the SEC record of 480 points. This was something that years ago was one of the true weaknesses on the Alabama football team. Everybody yeah. was crying. We need to get, we need to sign somebody. We well, need a scholarship all, player. And yeah. you look at the difference in a guy like Will Rogers. The, the thing is, though, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but those guys that we're all talking about that did, for the most part, kick were scholarship guys who were among, Adam Griffith was one of the best kickers in the country. He may have been the most sought-after guy. And Adam is thought of because, unfortunately, the kick six happened, which mm-hmm. wasn't his fault. Yeah. 50-plus yards didn't go through. Um it's a it's a tough thing. There are a lot of guys who were five stars for whatever the highest rating can be for a kicker because they don't give five stars to kickers, I guess. But there have been a bunch of them, and they've come through Alabama, and for whatever reason, it is a meaningful kick that doesn't go, and you get labeled. But that's part of what... That's part of what that position part brings. Part of the job, yeah. You're, you're only as good as your last one, and you could make, you know, 50 in a row, but you miss the one with the game on the line, then you're labeled, you know, the bad kicker, choke, whatever you want to say. Flip side, you can miss three in a game, but you kick the game winner three, you're the hero, man. Yeah. You buy a drink in Innisfree that night. So there's a fine line between goat and hero. And there is there is a fine line indeed, and they, uh, it's all based on what they did the previous kick. And now we look ahead to Arkansas coming to town, and I have to imagine that as a coach, you are coaching against letting this be a letdown because seemingly this is a game that they should win. Yeah, they're coming home. It's homecoming. But I mean it. The, the the crazy thing about this team is, could they lose to Arkansas? Yes. Yeah. Could they go on to win the SEC championship? Yes. Mm-hmm. This is a team with a lot of chaos that at times you see all the potential and other times you're like, we may not get out of this game. Well, it, but it's, t- 
to me so much further along than it was. Yes, they continue trending. Ago. Yeah, they continue Texas, trending. Texas, South Florida had you very concerned, but there was obvious improvement, and I do think it goes back to the final drive. Even though you know it's a different opponent, you've played better opponents each week since then. And there's no sugarcoating that that was a tough day. But mm-hmm. the fact that you mustered up enough to put that game away the way they did in Tampa, you built off of it against a Ole Miss team that's turned out to be pretty good and one that a lot of people thought could and would beat Alabama. And the tie beats them by two scores. Mm-hmm. Um, you do what you should do against Mississippi State. And then you win a very tough game that many people, most, we're probably saying would be Texas A&M, but Bama gets it done on a day when they didn't play their best. That to me, you know, it's not like they had to play over their heads. And if this had been a game where where A&M had committed 14 penalties um, and Bama barely wins, mm-hmm. then I think you're very concerned. It's like Nick Saban said. This team is able to fix the things mm-hmm. that need to be fixed. As I said, he has a chance to be a really good team of this 2023. They've got to fix those things mm-hmm. in order to be that. But those things are fixable. Those are correctable mistakes. It's not as if you don't have a guy. that you, It's not like you don't have a quarterback. It's not like you don't have a playmaker at receiver. It's not like you don't have multiple weapons at wideout. It's not like you don't have a good running back or multiple running backs. It's not like you don't have a defense and you're going to have to outscore. No, you got all those things. you got all the pieces there to truly be a great team if you'll get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. And the penalties aside, Bama's done a better job of that, I think, each week. And, you know, it, you can tell that Alabama is trending upward because you hear less of the national media, the sky is falling, um, you hear a lot less chatter about Alabama because, once again, they've gotten themselves, they've righted it, and they are back on track. But you know what's funny? They can't control that narrative anymore, and I say they. Not that I feel like it's a conspiracy, no. but they can't say that right now. But what they can do is refuse to vote them higher than they do mm-hmm. in the AP poll. I'm not talking about the, the coaches or the um, – what will ultimately be the, almost said the BCS, what will ultimately uh, be the playoff voting. But in the AP poll, we're not going to bash them anymore, but we're not going to vote them any higher. No. So they're still in the same spot. But that's okay because Nick Saban says he doesn't look at standings or rankings or polls, so it shouldn't bother him. He doesn't. Miss Terry does, though. Oh, okay, so she, she can pass it along. I'd be surprised, but I know he's aware of it because I'm sure that inside the building he's not thrilled. And he will save that for certain conversations. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be something he worries about with the team unless he needs to play that card. To, you know, this, that, is yeah. where you, this is where that card maybe gets played. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sitting here thinking that Arkansas doesn't matter. They already don't respect you. Mm-hmm. You know, you win a game like that on the road against what we know is a good team. They'd have put, you know, he said, you know dang good well, they would have put A&M in the top five if they beat us. But we beat A&M at their place, mm-hmm. and we don't move. No, I was going to say, because we've beaten Ole Miss, Mississippi State, yeah. um, A&M. Yeah. And, yeah, 
and so, yet here you are standing. And that's okay. I still think all that sorts itself out by the time we we get to the the voting that matters. But it's interesting to watch right now. Well, there's still a lot of teams that will have to play each other within the top ten. Correct. That will end up with a one loss. And if Alabama continues with just the one loss, is this is that good enough to get them into the college football playoff? If they still only have one loss outside of the SEC championship game, which it means you won the league title, you've beaten top-ranked Georgia, likely top-ranked Georgia, uh, anything can happen. I know they played great last weekend and look like Georgia mm-hmm. again, but, but again, I think that's as much Kentucky showing that they're still Kentucky as it is Georgia showing yeah. they're still Georgia. So, I, you beat, you went out, mm-hmm. and you beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. There is no way Alabama's not in the playoff. Well, Zero I, chance yeah, they're not I, in the playoff. I think the league in general is just not getting a great deal of respect this year. Um, maybe, it's true. Maybe deservedly so. I totally agree. Didn't didn't do anything to deserve it. But we talked about TV ruling mm-hmm. the world. TV is not. It, TV is not going to let a one-loss SEC champion Alabama miss the college football playoff. Won't happen. They may decide they're only going to put one SEC team in, but um, they'll keep Georgia out. Here's just my opinion. Okay. If Bama beats them in the SEC championship game, there's no way. That they put, if they don't put both in, mm-hmm. there's no way they keep Alabama, which would not have lost a game since right. week two, yeah. out in winning a head-to-head game. Unless there's something really just fluke, people feel like it was a gift, whatever. That's the only way that Georgia gets in over Alabama if they both have one loss in Georgia's losses to Alabama in the title game. Just my guess. What do you think nationally the biggest misconception about Alabama, Alabama fans would be? Misconception about Bama fans? Yeah, nationally. Ooh, wow. I will say this. Everybody's worst fans are the same. True. Everybody's worst fans mm-hmm. are the same. Um... Some have justification for being obnoxious, and some don't. But you're still obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, every you know, fan It's base. like I said, you know, somewhat in jest. I said Georgia is this. Congratulations to Georgia for finally being as good as their fan base has pretended they are for the last forty-five years. <laughs> Okay, so forty years. Yeah, forty years. Okay, Um, they've won back-to-back titles. They deserve to, you know, stick their necks out a little bit and crow. They've earned that right. Mm -hmm. But um, they were doing that long before they actually were who they are right now. Yeah, Bama fans. I don't think. I think the ones that really get on people's nerves are the same. 
as every other bad fan for every other team. That's absolutely true. The difference is Alabama's been able to back theirs up a little bit just because their team has been where they've been. Yeah. I think they're easy easy Bad for is, other people to dislike because of the success that they have had. You like Huey Lewis in the news used to say, sometimes cool is the rule, but sometimes bad is bad. Bad is bad. All right. Um, you You're know, going, I'm, what is he talking no, about? But you remember the song. I do. I'm, I'm old enough to remember Huey Lewis in the That's news. That's right. Uh, I believe that Sam Pittman could probably tell you the best place to either grill a steak or grill you the best steak you've ever eaten. Get him a cold beer. He just seems like that kind of guy to me. Yeah. He can do all that. Problem is, I don't know if he can tell you the best way to beat Alabama this weekend, and that's what his fan base needs. They, I almost wish they had won last weekend because Mm -hmm. it, it may have, Taking a little edge off, yeah. you know, you can make the argument it gives them confidence and makes them more dangerous. I go the route of they feel like this is their season now. Yeah, you know, beat Alabama and it completely flips things. The, the role of the spoiler, it is to just it is. Yeah, and and look, if you do win, there's no reason you can't win the rest of your games in your mind if you're if you're the Razorbacks. But they've this is a big deal for them. But that's I think for most teams. When they come to Tuscaloosa, particularly exactly when they come right. to Tuscaloosa. You're right. It is their opportunity, if nothing else, than to shut the obnoxious fans up yeah. that they may be sitting next to. K.J. Jefferson gives you a chance to win every time. Mm-hmm. He's really good. He's a heck of a football player. Um, can they stop what's an improving Alabama offense? That will factor into it very, very heavily. Bama can't, Bama can't turn it over three times and commit another 14 penalties and think they're going to escape for a second straight week. Uh, they've got to be better. They've got to be more sound in that regard. And I think they will. But that's how Arkansas wins. Bama, you know, I say this all the time about, you know, can you avoid being your worst on a day when you're playing a team that's good enough to beat you? And the example I use on that was the year Lane Kiffin in Tennessee came to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Bama played about as bad as they could play yeah. that day. That was a great Alabama team, very talented. Um, but they played the team, when Bama was off, they played a team that still wasn't capable of beating them when they were that bad. You, you play the wrong team on a day that you're at your worst or down, and it gets you beat. You've had that already with Texas, who uh, – is really, really good and an eyelash away from being undefeated themselves. So, what I love listening to, I love, I'm, I love listening to the radio. I love listening Thank to you. broadcast calls. I love listening, um, really, when it comes to any sport. And I'm an unabashed Braves fan. Mm-hmm. And I would rather listen to the radio broadcast just because your role that you do, it's almost fan, expert, um, That's a stretch. But professionally Fan involved in the game, you feel like you you also have skin in the game. I care. Yeah. I do care because I was a fan before I was a broadcaster. And nobody's ever told me that I can't be excited when the team that I broadcast for does well. Right. Nobody tells has ever told me that I have to be happy when they're not. I think you've got a, you've got a responsibility as a broadcaster to tell the story. 
If I'm doing the broadcast for, as I've done, SEC Radio Network, when I do a first-round game at the SEC tournament, I don't have a team that I've got any allegiance to right. doing that game. I've done Arkansas Ole Miss. I've done uh, Texas A&M Florida in the last couple of years. Both were actually really good games. Enjoyed calling. You get excited because the moment is exciting. But I'm not excited because it's one team mm-hmm. over another. It can be an exciting game, but if A and M, it could be an exciting game. But if A and M had, I don't know, hit Jalen Milrow, knock the ball on the deck, scoop in a foot race to try to win the game, I'm not going to be excited in calling that. You may have heard nervous energy mm-hmm. as I'm you know, we're trying to chase them on the final play of the game to save the game, but you're not gonna hear excitement no matter how exciting that may be yeah. for either A and M or a neutral observer. I'm living and dying on every play. I yeah. used to joke contract was, you know, I got paid per game. The outcome affects my income. Right. More games <laughs> we win, more games I get to call, more right. money I make. Um it matters in that regard. I tell you know, buddies of mine that are officials or get to be friendly with them, I don't want you to be right. I want you to miss it for my team mm-hmm. and get it right when it's for my team. Right. So I need you to, I need you to get the calls my way. I'm not I'm not a neutral observer. I'm yeah. not unbiased. I care. It's my team. They sign the checks and that's who I'm talking to. I will say this though as a broadcaster, and I've had this conversation with with guys before. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're tuned in on a Saturday somewhere in Alabama and you're a, an Auburn fan, UAB fan, whatever, and you're, you're checking in, seeing what Alabama's doing, mm-hmm. regardless of who you're a fan of, but you're not an Alabama fan, Kelly, I think that we as broadcasters for a school, it's very similar to you and I carrying on a conversation right now. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, you're talking to me. Somebody walks up that we know or knows us, um, we may reference them, acknowledge them, I should say, acknowledge them in the conversation, but I'm still talking to you. So if they don't like what I say to you or you say to me, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. It's the way it is on a game broadcast. I'm talking to an Alabama fan. If you're a fan of another team and you don't like what I'm saying or the tone with which I'm saying it, I'm sorry, but I'm not talking to you. Yeah. Go listen to one of the other broadcasts. I'm talking to the Bama fan because I'm one of them. So, and I think that applies. It's where you know people get mad at. I've got friends that are Bama fans. You get mad at Andy. You used to get mad at, mad yeah. at Rod. You used to get mad at Jim. And I go, he ain't talking to you. No. He's talking. He's talking to Auburn fans. That's the way it's supposed to be. Well, so I was listening to game two of uh, the Braves Phillies, and I, I watched it on TV. I got this from my dad. My dad used to do this all the time. He had the TV on and he had the radio on. Yeah. And I, at first, you know, growing up, I never made sense. But as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. it makes absolute sense, and I will do the same thing. And it's because you're almost, you're sharing that moment. And regardless, right. I'm sitting at home. My, my family doesn't care, but you're sharing a moment with someone else who is just as excited as right. you are. And cares just as much as you do. Yeah. 
because it was particularly last night it, um, in game two. It was an exciting event. No question. The way it ended, and no so question. having someone to share that with you, especially when I mean, if you're like me, I feel like I know you. Yeah. And I'm sure people do the same thing. They feel like they know you. Yeah, and, and that's really special. Uh, I will tell you though, to kind of go back to what I was saying, but it also is to the point of what you just made. If you're listening in and you're a fan of another team, I hope that as you listen to me, you can find out score time down and distance. Yeah. You know what's the going basics. on. That's my responsibility as a broadcaster to tell that part first, regardless of who you're a fan of. I hope I give you the details clearly of what's transpiring. But the filter that I'm seeing it through right. is based on your Who crim- I'm working for. Crimson colored glasses. Exactly right. No no apologies for that whatsoever. But some of the most meaningful compliments that I've ever gotten have actually come from Auburn fans. When I will have an Auburn fan go, hey, Chris, I'm an Auburn fan, but I really like hearing you call a game. You objectively, you do a great job calling it. It means the world. Because Bama fans... <laughs> I so think sorry. they assume. Well, the funny thing is, you know, how well we do on a broadcast is often determined by what the outcome is. Exactly. You know, what you've been given to work with. I got, I got 30 text messages the other day after the Texas A&M game because Bama had won and CBS always plays at the end of the broadcast a clip from the home team radio right. deal. It's a cool thing that they've yeah. always done on the SEC broadcast. Yeah. Gives us some nice recognition. It's even more motivation, I guess, or hope, not yeah. motivation, but hope that your team wins. You get that that little brief platform on national television. So I get my phone blows up, 2530 text right afterwards. I could have been just as good broadcasting that game. But if A&M wins and it's Andrew Monaco whose call is being played on there, I might get three, and they're usually complaining. If I get 25, they're complaining about what we did. Or they're complaining okay. about something Coach Saban did or didn't do or needs to do with his coordinators or whatever. Uh, they're not talking about me and my, my call or however that sounded. So people are in a better mood mm-hmm. you know, when you win and your team is successful, um, but that's part of being tied to it as a broadcaster. I'm gonna I'm gonna own up to something here, Uh-oh. and uh, I am 49 years old. I am a. Do I need to? No, it's okay. Is there a couch am, you need I to know, relax I am, on? I, therapist here. This is I am a true blonde. I'm. This is nothing. Leave that alone. Nothing processed. Um, so. Usually on Saturday or on Sunday or Monday, I will watch and listen to the Nick Saban show that you do after the game. Mm-hmm. And um, I was listening, and I was like, I don't remember that. I was like, How, did I thought I put more ice in my brown water listening to this game. I get all the way through, and it was last year's game that I listened to. Because you're saying Jalen. You're talking about the quarterback, Jalen. You played in the Texas A&M game. And I listened to the whole thing until you gave the final score. And I was like, that was not this year's game. You found an old TV show? I listened to an TV old show? Nick Saban show. 
that you did. Wow. And you convinced me. 49. You were so blind. convincing in that that um, you did a hell of a job. Blonde. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm just it's, it's all, yeah, I mean, that's brown, 49 plus blonde equals. Brown water ice. I'm making notes on all this. Yeah. Okay. Um, Deal. But just along that line. Yeah. So, do you have a portable set? What do you do? How do you do that? No, home games, it is done in the Crimson Tide Production Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great set, great setup. Do that for all the home games inside there. Road games, if we win. Like we did Saturday, we're out on the field, usually set up in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, we have done it in the media room a time or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, if you lose and they've stormed the field, then you just, all bets are off and you find anywhere, forget quiet, you're mm-hmm. just trying to find a place where people are not yelling at you as much as possible. The back of the state trooper's car somewhere. Yeah, maybe the best way to go. We've done some interesting spots, hallways and trying to get out of the way because the locker rooms on the road are always small, so you can't do that. And I can imagine how much fun that is with possibly a disgruntled (sighs) Coach Saban trying to get this done because you have to do it after the game. uh, Yes, and he wants to get back on the plane even after a win. Oh, I don't. I have no yeah, doubt. That even after a win, he's he's ready to get on the plane, get out of there, get he, back to work. He is a man that makes every minute in the day count. He does indeed. But on the road, it's different because he wants to be back. Home games, he can be a little reflective on the TV show. Yeah. It's the last thing he has to do. He's mm-hmm. already talked to the team, recruits, all of that stuff. We're we're about the last thing that he has to do before he goes back to the locker room, changes, and goes home. But he. Um, he on those road games, boy, it is quick. Efficient. Quick as you can possibly be. So this weekend we have an 11 o'clock kickoff. We do indeed. With Arkansas coming to town. If you had to throw a score out there, mm. how would you? I'm spitballing. 35-17. Okay. I think that's respectable. Yeah. I've not. Probably, uh, probably shouldn't go 35. That would imply all the points come from touchdowns and extra points. Oh, um, I liked it. Maybe a, maybe a 38, okay. 17, yeah. uh, at least one field goal. Those are easy numbers for me to kind of add into and say, oh, yeah, I could, I could say we get there. It's when you when you factor in, like, the twos and the safeties and those things that I start reviewing to. all of my notes. 49, blind, brown water, oh, and ice, 38, yeah. 17. Okay. I know. I don't okay. know what these mean, but it gave me something to do. We want to thank Chris Stewart for joining us. As always, you you can find him here on Respect the Process as well as... ChrisStewartOnline.com. It's got the link to all of my social media platforms, Twitter X, uh, Instagram, and I've got my own podcast that I do usually out Monday night, Tuesday mornings uh, that's done. It's a, a short version recap of things before we get to actually spend some much, time. And not get as many uh, interesting details. and Nope. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. And no Kelly Hunter on the other one. I know. So this is I why know. it so makes it better automatically. More efficient, exactly. Okay, so you can find him at Chris Stewart online. You can find us here at Disrupt the Media as well as Respect the Process. We are easy to find. We're in and around the metro Birmingham area as well. So. Yes, yeah, right. Throw stuff at us right. when you see us in public. But you will hear me saying real tight. Always good to see everybody. Come back next week. For more Respect the Process, I'm Kelly Hunter, Chris Stewart. Thanks for seeing us.